this is episode 57 of the Popcast. Welcome to the Popcast, a weekly podcast all about pop culture in three regular segments. We're your hosts, Maureen and Josh Goldman. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode. We're back on our bedroom floor after our week away. We're Maureen, happy to be home. How are you? I'm great. How are you, honey? I'm doing well. Happy to be home, yeah, definitely. It was nice to record on on the back porch of a nice lake house. That was nice. Yeah, it was beautiful. We had a great time with some of my family and Caleb. Little Caleb. Yeah, Caleb loved it. And it was nice to kind of be away and unplug for a little bit, even that though is, we were still podcasting. We were still podcasting, but that, would, that only took like 45 minutes. And we all had a great, jolly good time. Thank you to Kevin and Kathy for, for being a part of the podcast. And they did a great job. I, I thought they did. Yes, and thank you to my mom for laying with Caleb, who was having a hard time going to sleep. <laughs> While we were recording the podcast. Maureen, speaking of our podcast from last week, we talked about the Mighty Ducks, and I, I forgot to mention this on the podcast, but it looks like Disney is planning a reboot of the Mighty Ducks franchise written by the original screenwriter Stephen Brill, and it looks like it's going to be on their Disney Plus streaming platform, which means we are never going to see it because you will no, not let not. me <laughs> sign up for Disney Plus. Wait, when you say reboot, do you mean like they're remaking the movie or like it's like a follow on? It's going to be a TV series. So it's going to follow the ragtag Minnesota hockey players, but it's going to be a TV show. But is it, it like Charlie's Kid or is it like they're I have pretending? no idea. Okay, I unsubscribe. What if what if it's like Charlie's Kid and it's instead of being- if Joshua Jackson's in it? Then I would watch it. And instead of being Mighty Ducks, it's Mightier Ducks. Just like Full House was Fuller House. <laughs> well, that could work. I, I feel like that's making them a lot of money. So well, It certainly will make them a lot of money. I just don't think they need to do it. The original, it's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, plus anybody who is like old enough as we are to have like loved the original is not going to watch this show. The show Maybe. is going to... Well, yeah, it's for the new... Dr- the show is it's for, for the new, new generation. Kids, so like why not just come up with a new storyline? Because they got to use that existing IP. I don't know. I mean, someone's going to watch what it. What do you think? Do you think it's a good idea? No, I think it's a bad idea. Okay, two thumbs down from the podcast. <laughs> if they ask us, if, if they're listening, do not do this. Okay, let's jump into the snack bag. We're back with our regularly scheduled snack bag this week. The first item I just thought was so funny. I saw this article. Nicolas Cage did an interview with the New York Times. And in the interview, he described how he spent a little portion of his life Searching for the Holy Grail. That's right. Nicolas Cage went on a national treasure style hunt for the Holy Grail. This is crazy. But doesn't, is it? Or does it just make so much sense? To me, I'm like, yeah, of course he did. Because in my mind, Nicolas Cage is his character from National Treasure. And it makes total sense to me that he would be like, I'm going to find the Holy Grail. Can you do a Nicolas Cage impression? I don't think I can. I don't think I can either. What's a line that he says? Well, this is is what I wanted to read to our listeners. This was his answer when he stopped searching for the Grail. He said he found his own answer, which was, what is the Grail but Earth itself? And then he stopped looking. So he never found it, obviously. And he said that the earth itself is the grail. I just thought this was so, it just tickled me so much. I can just see him as yeah. Benjamin Franklin Gates from <laughs> National Treasure looking for the Holy Grail. The article also talks about how he, Nicholas Cage describes it as like his search. He describes it as like, you know, like when you're reading a book and it has like this reference. And so then you get that book and then that has two references and you keep just going and going and going. And he was kind of doing this and I can, I just totally picture it to me. I think it's because I, know that national treasure character so well all right our next snack bag topic this one was a little bit interesting to me but i i thought we should talk a little bit about it 
There was this movie coming out called The Hunt. The premise of the movie was basically a wealthy group of people gets to hunt like with rifles and, and other guns. They get to hunt lower class people for sport. And this movie was going to be released by Universal. And after the recent mass shootings in the United States, they've canceled the release of this movie. So there's a couple things that I wanted to talk about with relation to this cancellation. The first is, are you surprised that they canceled a movie that cost them $18 million to make? And secondly, do you think they should have canceled the release of the movie? And and I would caveat that by saying, this is not like the first movie that talks about people killing other people for sport. I mean, think about The Hunger Games. I thought exactly. I thought The Hunger Games. And you know what else I thought of? Jumanji. Major throwback to the 90s. There was a character in that movie that was a kid's movie, and he hunted people. And like, I remember watching that as a kid and thinking it was like scary, but like, I mean, this has been happening in, and maybe the whole film wasn't about this. That was an element of the film, and it was discouraged. Well, that was definitely the whole movie of The Hunger Games, and it was kids doing this to each other. And maybe because there were were no guns. They were being forced to. I guess so. Maybe because there were no guns. And basically what happened was is that Donald Trump was tweeting that Hollywood was was racist and that they were, you know, they were claiming to be the elite and that they were releasing these terrible movies that were targeting the lower class. And and so Universal decided to cancel the movie. I have no concept of whether this movie was grotesquely violent or whatever. Like, I'm not endorsing the movie in any way because I haven't seen it or and I don't really know much about it. But it just seems weird that they would then go and cancel the release because of something Donald Trump said and in relation to something that happened in in our world. And I should be clear that the things that happened in the world, the, the shootings in Dayton, Ohio, and the shootings in El Paso, Texas were horrible. But it seems weird that they would cancel a movie. Maybe it's too close to home. I don't know. I'm, I'm a little confused by this. I don't know. I I mean, it's not very common that we've seen a studio cancel a movie, uh, especially one that's already been marketed. I think that it would have been more likely to me for them to say, we're going to push the release of this film out of respect for, you know, the victims and the victims' families of the tragic gun violence that has happened recently in our country. I I don't know. I think that the studio probably made the decision based on the fact that it was too close to the recent gun violence in America and because also probably financial reasons that you know, if it's not going to be well received, it's going to lose money. It's going to hurt them. It's going to potentially offend people. So I think they probably made the decision, and we don't see this very often. This was probably a hard decision for them, but I think they probably made it because they thought it was best. I guess playing devil's advocate, there's gun violence every day in the United States. It's not as if well, and so many movies have gun violence in them. Right. So so it goes both ways. I mean, there's you know, Chicago has been plagued with gun violence and that hasn't stopped any action movie that features gun violence from coming out before it just seems like maybe this was a little bit too on the nose in terms of how they're going to portray the violence i don't really know but even still maybe there's content in the movie that's too close to real life events events. yeah we don't know that it just seems like you know the media sensationalizes certain events and downplays other ones and it just seems like this one in particular, these recent mass shootings have taken a hold of the media, whereas regular gun violence, which is equally horrific, doesn't seem to do the same and doesn't cancel movie releases left and right. So I just thought this was interesting. And it looks like this movie, as of now, will never see the light of day. But who and knows? the article said the trailer was still available. It is not because I clicked on it. To oh, really? See. Yeah, I the, did watch the trailer it. has been taken. Down. I watched it a couple weeks ago or maybe a week or two ago. And. Yeah, it looked, I mean, the movie didn't look particularly good, but I 
thought it just looked like another action you know, violent thing that some people might be into. All right, the last snack bag topic before we move on to our premiere topic this week is this interesting story where this singer, Mike Posner, who sang the song, I Took a Pill in Ibiza, if you remember that song, I think that's probably his most famous. He decided that he was gonna walk across the United States and every state that he went into, he was gonna release a new song and he was gonna chronicle the whole thing on social media. Well, he was about 1,800 miles into his like 23 or 2,400 mile walk when he got bit by a rattlesnake. And he got sent to the hospital and he can barely walk now. He did survive, he's fine, he got the anti-venom. But first of all, I thought this whole like project was kind of cool. I was checking out some of his Instagram videos where he's- That's horrible luck. Yeah, it's pretty terrible. Was he just luck. like on a on a on the road? Like I imagine he wasn't off roading or like. Yeah, hiking. I didn't see many details about what exactly happened with the rattlesnake, but he was 18 miles into his walk up for the day, and he was going to go eight or ten more, and he came across this baby rattlesnake, and it came out and bit him, and he had to go to the hospital. I just, first of all, I thought the project was really cool. It seems like an interesting thing to do if you have that much money, enough money, and you want to walk across the United States, go for it. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, pretty terrible luck though. You're right. I mean, his whole plan was to walk and now he can't really, he's like having to relearn how to walk. I guess he got bit on his leg. So we just were at a nature center recently with our son and they had a rattlesnake there. No, they had a, they had a a copperhead. Copperhead. That was the venomous venomous one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Oh, and you learn the difference between poisonous and venomous. That is correct. So poison, if something is poisonous, it like you know, hurts you when it's ingested. So like if you were to eat it, if it's venomous, it means that it will like inject venom or poison into you. Yeah. So thank so you, Nature Center guy. venomous, not poisonous. That guy at the Nature Center, he was pretty knowledgeable. He was. He, he was, was very really nice. Yeah. But anyway, we hope for the, the best for Mike Posner. I just thought that project was cool and now it's come to a screeching halt. Hopefully so. he can rehabilitate himself and continue because yeah, I think yeah, that sounds Yeah, he started on really the cool. East Coast and he was in Colorado when this happened. So. Wow. We'll see if he makes it all the way to California. Right, honey? I'm too excited. Can we please jump into our premiere topic? Yes, let's do it. Our premiere topic this week, we are starting another little mini-series within our bigger podcast. This one is called First Time. And the idea of this little installment of the podcast is that either Maureen or I will introduce the other one to a movie, a TV show, or music, or something else in pop culture that the other person has never seen. So they're going to experience it for the first time. And for our first installment, I showed Maureen a movie that I was very surprised she'd never seen before and actually really had no knowledge of at all uh, that I came to find out. And that is the film A Few Good Men. And we watched this the other night. I will say, if you haven't seen it, definitely go watch it. It is really hard to find. I looked for it to rent on iTunes. I looked to rent it on Amazon. I looked on all the streaming platforms. You can't rent it anywhere as far as I could find. You can buy it. We ended up actually, and I would suggest this to anybody, go to your local library and see if they have it on DVD because that is what we did and we got to rent it for free and have had it for almost two weeks. And And it keeps auto-renewing for us, so it's the best. So I'm going to give you a little bit of background on the movie and then we will get into our discussion points for this week. The movie was written by Aaron Sorkin. It was based on his own play. The play itself premiered at the University of Virginia in 1989, which was 30 years ago, and then went to the Kennedy Center before it premiered on Broadway in November of 89. The film was released in 1992. It was directed by Rob Reiner and starred Tom Cruise, Demi Moore, Kevin Bacon, Kiefer Sutherland, and Jack Nicholson also features a cameo from Cuba Gooding Jr. I was surprised to see him. I'd seen the movie before and I didn't remember he was in it. 
The movie was nominated for four Academy Awards, including Best Picture. And here's a brief description taken from Wikipedia about the movie in case you haven't seen it. The film revolves around the court-martial of two U.S. Marines charged with the murder of a fellow Marine and the tribulations of their lawyers as they prepare a case to defend their clients. You ever served in an infantry unit, son? No, sir. Ever served in a forward area? No, sir. Ever put your life in another man's hands, ask him to put his life in yours? No, sir. We follow orders, son. We follow orders or people die. It's that simple. Are we clear? Yes, sir. Are we clear? Crystal. All those having business with this general court-martial, stand forward and you shall be heard. You men follow orders or people die. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! In the heart of the nation's capital, in a courthouse of the United States government, one man will stop at nothing to keep his honor, and one will stop at nothing to find the truth. Okay, Maureen, the first topic of discussion tonight, we're calling this the first time take, and this will come from the person who had never seen the piece of art before, so if you show me something, I'll give the first time take, but this one is all you. Tell me what you thought of A Few Good Men. So I have to say, you guys, I I had definitely heard of this before. I think when Josh told me the title and he was like, haven't you seen this? I was confusing it with, um, what's the one about the 12 jurors? 12 Angry Men. Yeah. Okay. I thought it was that. And then when Josh- Both take place in a courtroom. Yeah. Josh started telling me, oh no, it's with Tom Cruise and Demi Moore. And I was like, I don't think I've seen this. And then Josh showed me a couple of clips of like iconic lines, like, you can't handle the truth. And I was like, no, I I mean, I know those lines, but I've never seen this. So I was a little skeptical. I was kind of like not into seeing the movie. But we watched it on Friday night. It was really nice. We had like, you know, a little like Friday night movie night. And I have to say, I loved this movie. I straight up loved it. Whoa. I loved it more than literally I had. I was thinking the next day as I was reflecting on it and trying to like gather my thoughts for the podcast. I was thinking how long it's been since I've seen a movie that's really made me think like that, that doesn't have any like violence or like chase scenes or like, you know, crazy whatever. It's very talky. No sex scenes, no real romantic interest. I mean, there's a little bit of sexual tension between Demi Moore and Tom Cruise, but like, spoiler alert, nothing happens, which is kind of refreshing. Like what I think it boils down to for me is that this movie was about good storytelling And it was well-written and well-acted, which I think we'll get into. But it did not rely on pyrotechnics or... Pyrotechnics? You mean like special effects? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Pyrotechnics? (laughs) There were no explosions. There was no fire. That's what I mean. I know. Like, you know, like all these movies now, it's like something's blowing up or a car is like getting hit by an airplane or like 10 people are shooting at each other at the same time or like somebody is in like eight relationships at the same time. Like... It didn't need all of that drama. It was it just felt more real and it made me think. It was one of those where like you could kind of see both sides being right at different times about different elements of the case. And I just I really liked it and I remember I just was thinking that there isn't anything that I've seen recently that I was able to enjoy and it's almost like this movie was just smarter. 
And I think I'm probably comparing it to, like, some of the Netflix original movies we've seen lately. But, like, we've seen some movies in theaters, and we see all the Oscar movies every year. But I just think that this one was smarter. It was less about, like, oh, what awful thing can we, like, twist in here to make you, like, and more about, like, this is real people struggling with a real thing that, in you know, I, I don't think it's based on a true story. It is, but it is based on, I mean, some of the events were changed, but it was based a little bit on some uh, true events that happened at Guantanamo Bay. Yeah, so I don't know. And I like Aaron Sorkin. I've never been a huge, I'm not like obsessed with him in any way. I like him, but I, I just thought this movie was smart and really well written and really well acted. Well, I have to agree. I, I liked it as well. And I haven't, I've seen it before, maybe a couple of times. I haven't seen it recently. When did you first see it? I don't know. It had to have been when I was in my teen years, probably rented it at Blockbuster or something, saw it on TV, something like that. I'm sure I watched it again in college. But I, I really liked it when we rewatched it. I will say that there are a couple things that, that bring it down for me, and we'll get into those in just a second. So with that, let's jump into our MVP. And I'm going to expand this. So our most valuable player, it can all it can be either a person or something about the movie that really makes it great. And I'll start out. I have three nominees here that, that three? make this great. I, I just have some, some oh. ideas, and you can help me choose who, who really I, I makes mean, it. I mean, mine is hands down. Okay. My choices are Tom Cruise. Aaron Sorkin or Jack Nicholson. And I think I have to give it to Aaron Sorkin because, I mean, this this movie is his brainchild. And I'm, not, I'm also not a Aaron Sorkin stan. Like, I'm not going to go and go to bat for Aaron Sorkin every time. Maureen and I have tried to get into the West Wing before. I know this is, like, blasphemous for people who love that show. I've never really been able to get into that show, and that's his, his like, pride We tried, joy. you guys. We really tried. Yeah, I think we watched... Maybe Four, we'll five, try again. Six episodes. Yeah. And talk about it on the podcast. But I really like his movies. I think The Social Network is one of the best movies of the last 15 years. I really like Steve Jobs. I like a lot of the movies that he writes, and this is no exception. I think that what he does here is he writes in a really smart way. The dialogue is fast, it's quippy, but it makes you think, like Maureen said. And this is sort of like a legal courtroom drama, but there's also an element of mystery to it. And I forgot how everything unfolded until we watched it again. And so even on a third or fourth viewing for me, it was still engaging. All right, Maureen, who is your MVP? A million percent Tom Cruise. Whoa. A million percent. Jack Nicholson? No. I I could give you Aaron Sorkin because the writing is amazing. But I think that it's so well written that if you were to read it as a script, you might get it. But on film, it is Tom Cruise. I mean, like, he brings this character to light. He is so captivating. I could not take my eyes off of him. And he's young here, so he's, like, you know, kind of dreamy looking. Like, Josh was like, I think his hair is a little long for military standards. Probably. And he plays this, like, charismatic, you know, kind of bad boy, but, like, really smart lawyer hotshot. I don't know. I don't even like Tom Cruise. Like, I don't particularly, like, care for him. Yeah, Maureen remarked during the during the movie when we paused it to go to the bathroom or something or to get something to eat. She said, he's really good in this. Has he ever won an Oscar? And he hasn't. He's been nominated three times, I think. He's never won. He wasn't nominated for this movie, but he was nominated for a Golden Globe. I have to agree. He's really good in this movie. He should have been nominated. Well, I don't know who he was up against that year, but he was phenomenal to me. And there are some really good performances. I mean, you've got Kevin Bacon and Kiefer Sutherland and Jack Nicholson, all who give tremendous performances. To me, more even is pretty good. But Tom Cruise, for me, stole the show, and I was not predisposed to like him in that way. I just think that he carried it. And having his performance delivering Aaron Sorkin's amazing writing is just, I mean, 
I think great. I think what's even better about his performance is that, as you said in your your first time take, this movie doesn't rely on any action at all. And I think what we see Tom Cruise doing now is almost exclusively action and stunt based. Yeah, but he has the chops for these monologues. That's what I'm saying. So when you go back and watch something that has none of that, and it really just has acting and dialogue delivery and really engaging relationships, that makes it all the more impressive because what we're used to seeing him doing now is jumping out of a helicopter or out of an airplane or flying, you know, something or jumping off buildings. So I think that is what makes him stand out even more. And maybe this is who part of who he is in real life, but his care the way he portrayed this character was so confident. Like you could not not watch him. Like it, I don't know. I just I really was blown away by this film and by his performance in particular. All right, so let's shift to our least valuable player, Ooh, our LVP. Yeah. Mine is not a person. Mine is a combination of two things. I'm going to cheat a little bit here and give t- give two options. The one is the music of the movie. Huh, I didn't the, even notice The score, it. it's very 80s sounding. Mm. It's sort of got a lot of like synthesizer going on, which just takes away from some of the more dramatic moments. Like every time there's a revelation. I didn't even notice. I noticed it. And maybe it was because it wasn't my first time watching it. But every time something dramatic happened, like the, the music would come in and it just felt overly dramatic. Like it took away a little bit from the the gravitas of the moment and the other one which is i guess sort of both par for the time and par for you know the environment in which it's taking place but the treatment of the only woman in the movie is pretty bad i mean oh yeah there are some like there's scenes some... and like lines which i'm sure this happened in real right. life i mean like, that's what i was saying like that wouldn't that would not fly in a movie today no i mean it's it's fair like to me more is the only woman i think in pretty much the whole movie who has any kind of a part and all of the characters sort of are like oh my gosh like they're basically commenting on her looks and her attractiveness as opposed to like the fact that she's an officer in the military and a a very well-respected lawyer so that was just a little bit off-putting watching in 2019 maureen did you have a least valuable player yeah so mine is the two actors who played the two men who were accused of the murder and they were playing young marines they just weren't very strong actors and it was very bizarre because cuba gooding jr had like two lines and i was like why wasn't he playing this like guy who was accused he would have been great in that role they weren't so bad that they like detracted from the movie but they just couldn't stand up next to tom and to me in those scenes so for me that was a little bit jarring i was like oh my gosh can we get someone in here to read their lines for them like it just it was they weren't great yeah they're not bad but they're not great they're not great by any stretch of the imagination yeah do you have any nitpicks from the movie? I just have one, and it really stood out to me as I was watching this, and that is there's there's a couple scenes where Tom Cruise is playing softball, and he is bad at playing softball. Oh, I thought he looked good. No, the way that he swings the bat is just, it looks like he's never held a baseball bat Oh, see, bat I was before. like, wow, he's so athletic. No, I, I do think Tom Cruise is an athletic person, but in terms of like stunts or action, this is kind of it, and he swings and misses let's just Mm. say that much like it looks like he's never swung a bat before and so he's coming he's supposed to be this like really he's like leading his softball team and look softball is not the most like crazy intense sport but he's supposed to be the leader like an intramural team yeah but he's like hitting balls to the rest of the team and he's supposed to be the best one he looks pretty bad so that's that's my only nitpick 
I mean, mine, I stopped the, I think I stopped the movie to say this to you, but there's like one scene where Demi Moore like storms out and she's walking in the rain. I, I freaking hate this in all movies. She's walking in a downpour. She has no umbrella and she just has a coat on and she's just huddling in her coat and walking. I'm like, I don't know that anyone would just walk in the pouring rain like that. Like maybe, I mean, I've been caught in the rain without an umbrella and do you know what I do? I put my coat on my head. I, like, use it as, like, a little, like, shield. I've even put a grocery bag, one of those brown paper grocery bags on my head when I got caught in the rain. And, Are like, you ready for this quick story from college, from me? Did you walk in When I was in, in college, I walked in the rain. No. It was pouring down rain, but I only had an undershirt on. I took my undershirt off to put over my head. So See, I am with you. It's like, yes. I walked home you. with no shirt on. <laughs> now, look, it was after a night out, but... But still, still, you weren't like, I'm just going to suffer. You were like, I'm going to use whatever I have. Yeah, to cover my head. I've done it with a sweater, like a cardigan. She had a full trench coat. She and she was put holding it on her a bunch head. of papers that were just getting wet. I didn't even notice that I was so upset about the rain. And you would be more upset if you saw the papers. I would be. All right. So the last thing before we wrap up our premiere topic, if someone else oh, wait, is- there's one more. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the scene, you stopped the- okay. in the same scene. Then Tom Cruise comes up in his car to like chase after Demi Moore. He literally immediately shot before this was wasted. And she was like, you're so drunk. Like, I'm getting out of here. You're being unruly. And then he's driving the car with a co-pilot who is not drinking. I'm like, this, it makes no sense. Well, one thing I did notice, though, is that the car is swerving. So it was a bad decision on his part. But the other guy is like, the father, he talks a lot about his daughter and his wife. Like, there's no way he gets in the car with a drunk Tom Cruise driving it. No, that's totally fair. He that's would be totally like, fair. give me the keys, dude. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so the last thing before we wrap up our premiere topic is if someone else has never seen this movie, just in one or two sentences, would you recommend it and why? 100% recommend it. Please go find where you can rent it. I don't think I'd buy it because it's not one you want to watch over and over and over Although again. I will say it's only $12 to buy it. You know, So, if, so cheaper if than that's a the movie only, ticket. Yeah, it's, it's cheaper than going out to the movies depending on where you are in the country. So yeah, but I, I wouldn't buy it either if you can get it from your library and you have a DVD player. Yeah. Definitely I would say it's definitely worth the watch. It will make you think. It will make you look at Tom Cruise differently and remember him in kind of his heyday. And I think it's an exceptionally smart film. Okay, there you have it. Few Good Men. That's the first of our installment of First Time. The next time we do this, Maureen is going to show me something that I've never seen. It will likely be a romantic comedy. So if you have any suggestions of ones you want me to consider, send them along our way. Yeah, and it could also be something like Gone with the Wind, which I've never seen. Oh my gosh. I'm sort of I'm sort of sad to admit that, but I know I'll have to watch it eventually. All right, let's move on to our teasers. My teaser this week is a book called Dark Matter by Blake Crouch. It's a sci-fi-ish thriller of a novel that had me wanting to get back to reading as soon as I put the book down. What you should know about me is that that typically doesn't happen with books, uh, but I really enjoyed this one. The story was really well-paced. It had fantastic character development, and it was a pretty quick read. It's only about 350 pages. And I think what made the book so good for me was that even though the outer shell of the book is a sci-fi story, The inner layer is simply a story of a relationship between a husband and his family. I'd highly recommend it. It's not too sci-fi if that's something that turns you off. Typically, it's not like set in outer space. It just has some sci-fi futuristic elements. So give it a read. And thank you to Zach, who is the co-host and co-founder of the Vernacular Podcast Network, for the recommendation. Maureen, what is your teaser this week? Mine is Glow Season 3. So this is a show Josh and I have talked about on the Popcast before. It's on Netflix, and it's about women wrestling. 
not in like in earnest, but like as a TV show. And it's very funny. Check it out. Yeah, it just came out this past Friday. So go ahead and binge the seasons if you haven't seen it at all. Or if you're caught up, go watch season three. All right, that'll do it for this week. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we'll be back soon with a new episode. You can leave us feedback, comments, or questions on each episode by going to vernacularpodcast.com slash poppedcast. We would love to hear from you. You can also reach us by emailing thepoppedcast at vernacularpodcast.com. Please also subscribe, rate, and review our show on your podcast app of choice so you don't miss an episode. We'll be back next week, as always, sitting cross-legged on our bedroom floor with a brand new episode. Bye, everybody. Bye. You know, when I was thinking about doing a Nicolas Cage impression, all I could think of was Keanu Reeves. I don't know Me why. Me too. I don't know why. Say, try to say something about like the Declaration of it. We're going to steal the Declaration of Independence. We're going to steal the Declaration of Independence. That's Keanu. I, I know. That's, Keanu. that's what I'm saying. Okay. I mean, I don't do a good Keanu Reeves impression, but I can't do it. Nicolas yeah. Cage. He's one of a kind.